Greetings, podcast listeners. This is Liz. And this is Melissa. And you are now listening to Odds and Ends Podcast. Boom. (laughs) I think you should leave that in. Yeah, for sure. We're back. We're here. I'm back. Liz is back. Yeah, hi. Yay. I missed you, but Megan did such a wonderful job. Megan did a wonderful job. Being pretend Liz. I know. She did great, <laughs> but you were missed. Thank you. I got all my work done. Took some mental health time. Mm-hmm. Did a little skiing, a little snowshoeing. Smart. Got out in nature. Actually did something fun in my off days. I like it. Mm-hmm. A little self-care. A little self-care. Your story was so intense. Oh, oh, I know. And I actually, oh gosh, hang on. Holding. Okay, I need to make a correction because oh. when I listened back to the story, there was one point where I said the year was 2012 and there was one point where I said the year was 2011. Okay. And the story actually... Everything happened in 2011, so I don't know where I got 2012 from, but oops. Sorry, everyone, if that was confusing, because I was like, it was 2011, and then I was like, then it was 2012, and I'm like, wait, no, that was wrong. Everything happened in 2011, so there you go. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you for being such a thorough journalist and making that correction. I need to correct, amend my statements. So... Yeah, it was a pretty intense story. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I yeah. giggled thoroughly. Oh, at all. <laughs> I mean, at the jokes. Oh, okay. I'm at like... some of the jokes, and I most enjoyed the stories at the end, learning about these badass grandpas, August and George. August and George. They were I, great. They're just. I don't know. I just loved them. Yeah, they were great guys. <laughs> so. Oh, I do hear being out there having a good old honk fest. That's okay. That's what you get out on the farm. I know, we're on the farm. So you had a good birthday. I did. I turned 30. Yeah. And I took a nap, which is what I wanted for my birthday. Appropriate. Yes. And uh, I made some some funfetti cupcakes. Ooh. I know. I love funfetti. They were so fun. And then I got blue frosting because I wanted to make my tongue as blue as possible. I was just, I was set on being a little kid. I even got uh, the number three candle and a number zero candle. For yourself. For myself. I love that. We also did, my boyfriend and I did um, Pin the Tail on the Donkey. Oh. I killed it. Don't let him say differently. He was like inadvertently adding a donkey dick. Oh God! Of course he was. I I think it was just we made sure we were blindfolded, uh-huh. and he wanted to spin. Mind okay. you, I get motion sick very easily, so I said I'm gonna limit this to like two spins tops. Right. But it was fair. Yeah. And I nailed it. Oh good. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> the point is to get dizzy, not to like throw up all over the donkey. So I think Ugh. two spins is good. <laughs> For the sure. two-spin rule. Yes, exactly. The two-spin rule. And I got your wonderful gift today that I want to share is a mug that says Squad Goals and has all the Golden Girls on it. 
Yes. And it's absolutely phenomenal. And I cannot wait to use it. I mean, the Golden Girls are the ultimate squad goal. Okay. Yes. So of the Golden Girls. Oh, no. Who are you? Um, I'm probably, hmm. I mean, we can all relate to all of them in some small I know. way, right? I'm definitely Dorothy's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely all of the personalities. But I would say I'm the, the older lady. Uh, Dorothy's mom. Sophia. Sophia. <gasps> you are Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> I just love her, like... I don't know. She has such like poignant stories and she gets all sassy and she says just the absolute funniest things yeah. at the right moment. And she's just kind of like tough and a badass. And yeah. I, I, I love it. Yeah. She's cute and small. What golden girl are you? Um, I feel like I'm definitely Dorothy. I could see yeah. you as Dorothy. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm a little sarcastic. A yes. little cynical. I love her sarcasm. I, I was re- related to Dorothy a lot. Yeah. The more I watch it, the more I realize I kind of throw out those those sarcastic one-liners and yeah. I realize I've been watching too much Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as too much Golden Girls. As soon as Truth. I'm done re-watching The Big Bang Theory, I'll, maybe I'll go in on Golden Girls now. Next. I think that that's a wonderful idea. It's on yeah. Hulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then I ha- will be wearing it with my Golden Girl. I'll be watching it with yeah. my Golden Girl shirt on. My Golden Girls mug. Nice. And I'm going to be all set. All set to go. Theme. Um, Everyone I, likes a good theme. Themes are good. And actually my theme today of my story, well, let me just tell you the title. I titled it Aliens, Reptiles, and Humanoids. Oh my. Ooh, I like it already. I, I was like, I got to come back strong. I got to throw in some aliens since yeah. I missed... Since I missed an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Make it up to you with some aliens. Yeah, I love aliens. They're cool. Favorite. Are I you... want yeah, I'm ready to hear your story. I want you to go first. Okay. And I because just... I missed your voice talking into the <laughs> microphone. So that's not something I hear a lot, because usually I, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> your absence made my heart grow fonder. Aww. I'm so happy to be here. And also I just want to note really quickly that I have run gray sweatpants. Melissa has on a gray top. And she has on tie-dye pants, and I have on a tie-dye top. Yeah. So we come back strong. We're, we're connected like that. We are. We're <laughs> matching, but reverse-matched. Exactly. It's like matching. Mary-Kate and Ashley style. Okay. <laughs> we're like relatable, but not too matchy-matchy. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's talk about the crime. It's still true crime. Okay. Wanna, okay, so... Interesting. I'm intrigued. This is also recent. Oh, how recent? So this is, uh, the crime happened in July of 2017. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Oh. So set in your mind, it's kind of like a woodsy area. And uh, the couple, Barbara Rogers, who is 44, and Mm -hmm. Stephen Mineo, who's 33, went for a few drinks at a nearby bar until the wee hours of the morning, or what I would call the wee hours of the morning, 2 a.m. Okay, that's wee. That's very wee. <laughs> okay. Okay, I agree with you. I was like, I know some people pull all-nighters, and like, Psh, 2, p- 2 a.m., and I'd be like, that's it, I can't do anything tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, especially these days. So they had a few drinks, uh-huh. didn't get intoxicated from Barbara's account. Okay. 
So 2 a.m. they head home. And once they got home, Stephen says, you know, as you do, that he wanted to fire off some rounds and said, let's go out in the woods to Barbara and grab his gun. Fire off some rounds. I mean, he had a couple beers. He was feeling good. He just wanted to get his gun out and take take a few shots. Okay. But it's not a sawed-off shotgun. Not a (laughs) sawed-off shotgun. Got it. Just a regular degular shotgun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. So um, they came back inside after they went and shot a few rounds. Okay. And it's it's a two a two room apartment, so it's really small. It's actually kind of um, it's attached to like a single family home. Okay. So there's an entrance in the back, very very small area, and they have like a tiny bed with like a mini fridge at the side of it, mm-hmm. and they have a kitchen and and a bathroom things like that. But it's a tiny area. So once they get back inside, Stephen takes the weapon and aims it at himself. He then puts Barbara's hands around the gun and presses it to his forehead, and she pulls the trigger. What? Boom. (laughs) I mean, I'm only a few sentences in, and that's how we're getting started. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Okay. That is odd. You thought someone was going to get shot in the woods, didn't you? I thought there was... Oh, oh, I don't know what happened to my voice right there. (laughs) I I, I, (laughs) went up like four octaves. I wasn't quite sure. I'm, I'm in shock right now. <laughs> so, from her account, she says that he forced her to pull the trigger. And when I watched, actually, the documentary, it included the interview with her afterwards. Uh-huh. Um, oh, look. There's Gray. Gray's here. <laughs> hey, Gray. That's my honey. <laughs> Out feeding the goats. If anyone here is goats bleating that's what a goat noise is called a bleat a bleat in case you didn't know um fun farm facts from melissa little break in the action here your next podcast fun farm facts with melissa oh that's a good idea (laughs) people do have a lot of questions about pigs oh well there you go i can't say i have any off the top of my head but i could probably come up with some yeah if you want to talk to someone about pigs and goats bleating. Yeah, but not right now. Let's talk about Barbara and Steve. And yes. Steve? Steven. I know that we are guilty of getting distracted. So yeah. Steve, he goes by both. So we'll call him Steve okay, for the Steve. rest of the the story here. What kind of gun was it? Did it say? Like, um, was it a shotgun or was it like a handgun? It was a handgun. Okay. Yeah, it was a handgun. And in her interview at first, she says that he was standing up. And when they did the investigation, which was really interesting, they followed the trajectory of the bullet and said, he must have been sitting down. There's no way he could be standing when you shot him. Okay. And so her her story is like changing and finally, well, I'll get there. <laughs> okay. So she, of course, calls 911 after she fires the shot. Uh-huh. And on the 911 call, she... She sounds very emotional. Like, she's very much screaming and things like that. She's, so as a dispatcher, my boyfriend had a gun. He told me to hold it here and press the trigger. Oh, my God, he's dead. And uh, so afterwards, she has her interview with the authorities. And keep in mind, at this point, you know, she's been awake for a long time. You know, interviews can last a long, a long time as well. So uh-huh. she was interviewing for almost seven hours. Oh, 
So I just want to note that. Um, her story about this series of events changed frequently. So at one point, she didn't know the gun was loaded and calls it an accident. <laughs> her main defense was that she had killed him because he wanted her to kill him and that she was under a large amount of stress due to issues with the cult. With yeah. Oh, did cult? I mention that? Did I not mention that? Um, there's another thing that I should mention. Okay. This couple was part of an online cult oh. known as the Oregon Warriors, founded by a woman named Sherry Schreiner, who broadcasts through her website with messages to her followers about reptiles, aliens, and the end of the world. Oh, shit. Okay. Things just got real. Oregon Warriors? And it's O-R-G-O-N-E. Oh. Oregon. 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 And we'll talk about, we'll yeah, talk about what that is. I need to know more about that. Yeah, yes. thanks. Well, we'll talk more about what that is. I thought in. it was like the state of Oregon. I did as well, and they were just pronouncing it real fancy-like. It sounds like a basketball team, <laughs> if it was Oregon Warriors. <laughs> the Oregon. Um... I, here, let me scroll down. I'm just going to jump around. We're just going to play this loose and, or fast and loose and see how it shakes out. So, okay. Oregon, per Sherry's own words on her website, which I looked at and I'm definitely being tracked oh, by God. the government now if I wasn't before. <laughs> Oregon is an energy. It can be made, this is quoted, by the way, directly from her website. It can be made as a good energy or sabotaged and used as an evil negative energy. If I reveal to you what it will do and does, then they know because they read everything I write. But if I don't inform Yah's people, which I'm assuming here she's referring to the Hebrew word for God, Yahweh. So I think she's saying Yah. If I don't inform Yah's people, they won't get busy and do the exploits that are needed worldwide. We are literally going to fulfill prophecy, and that is why I can't keep silent anymore. Time is running out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. What are your thoughts at this point? Um, <laughs> well, that sounded a little bit cuckoo, <laughs> but who am I to judge someone's religious beliefs? As long as you're not hurting anyone, but it seems like this might be hurting people from where the story is going. And yes. usually cults aren't very innocent. And that's something I want to talk about later, too, kind of analyzing it as a cult. So let me let me tell you a little bit more about Sherry Schreiner okay. to, to kind of inform your opinion a little bit more. And, I like her name. I love a good alliteration. Sherry you Schreiner. And me both exactly it could be a really nice logo layout oh it that's could. all I was- <laughs> you're right get me on canva right now <laughs> make this canva pro bitch <laughs> we are canva pro i have a subscription <laughs> we sent sherry shriner a logo um i would answer that but i i would I would be giving something away. Okay. So I'm just going <laughs> to... Got it. Dive right back in. Here. Dive right back in. Sploosh. So our girl, Sherry, mm-hmm. the leader of Oregon Warriors, okay. spoke on her belief and her interpretation of the Bible that saying that the Bible included warnings about reptilian extraterrestrials, extraterrestrials, <laughs> living secretly as humans. 
And this is primarily through her website and weekly radio show on Blog Talk Radio on Monday nights. She's not the first one to come up with this idea. Okay. So there's, you know, the the cuckoo thing you mentioned. I'm I'm going to toss this puppy in here. So the central theory of the cult comes from the 1999 work of a British conspiracy theorist entitled The Biggest Secret. So there is absolutely no way on this planet that I can summarize this. So I'm going to read this quote to you about what the book is like. So this book focuses on the belief that, quote, tall, blood-drinking, shape-shifting, reptilian humanoids from the Alpha Draconis, 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 Draconis. We'll go with that. Okay. Star system. Now hiding in underground bases are the force behind a worldwide conspiracy against humanity. (laughs) We all have our different beliefs. Also, I've heard a lot of interpretations of the Bible, and I've never heard this one. So this is interesting. (laughs) This is a new one, right? This is a new one. Yes. For sure. He's actually pretty popular, this theorist. He had followers internationally in 47 countries, and he'll lecture to crowds of up to 6,000 people. Okay. So he's got people following him thinking that these people are going to be attacking, or I'm sorry, the shape-shifting reptilian humanoids Uh are trying to attack humanity. So they live on Earth. You know, that's a good question. So so one of the theories is that because they're shape-shifters, that, quote, most of the world's ancient and modern leaders are related to those reptilians. Um, including the Rothschilds, the Bush family, and the British royal family, end quote. Oh. <laughs> so many of them are celebrities. Okay. Um, so, so Sherry thinks that celebrities are these humanoids. Got it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Right. So well, that might check out. I don't know if that sounds too far-fetched for some celebrity people I've seen out in the world. Who who knows? I'm not. Who is it for me to judge what you do in your off time? Yeah. So to hop back to the crime, now I've told you a little bit about the cult. Okay. You might be asking yourself, as I did, what was Barbara's motive to shoot her boyfriend, Steve, that fateful night in July 2017? Well, old Barbara and Steven's relationship with the cult had begun to cause a rift in their relationship. And that's primarily because Sherry had determined Barbara was no good and was, in fact, a vampire witch reptilian super soldier, which is my new band name. Hell yeah. I was going to say, that's not the worst thing to be accused of being, I guess. That sounds kind of rad. There's a lot going on here. We got to break this down. So we got vampires. So we got the blood sucking part. I don't know how she's a witch. Vampire witch. Huh? Vampire witch. A vampire witch reptilian Uh super soldier. Oh, that is hard to fit on a business card, too. That (laughs) really is. You're going to need some small font on that one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Eight point. (laughs) So actually, it's kind of funny. Um, On the documentary, Barbara shows like little clips and she pauses it at these moments where they're taking Barbara in handcuffs. And she pauses it and shows, like, look, her hands moving. Her pinky looks distorted. Her face looks distorted. She's transforming. 
And she does show pictures that Stephen and Barbara had from their Facebook page. I'm not going to lie. It did look a little different. But I'm also going to say a mugshot's not the most flattering um, picture ever captured of you. So that's always hard to compare yeah. those along with the posed Facebook photos. But she looks, she's looking a little, she's looking a little tired. Yeah. I'm like, here's, here's, here's your girl. I'm going to show you the picture. Oh, this is the mugshot? That's your girl. And that's Steve fishing. Okay. Oh, so she's got some bags in her eyes. She's looking a little tired. Well, yeah, it's a mugshot. I'd probably yeah. look like that in a mugshot, too. I, right? Is it bright lighting, overhead lights? Just, no, no, no. Those fluorescents just don't do anyone any justice. <laughs> okay, yes. so, so she was accused of being a vampire witch. Da, 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 da. Yes, in, yes, she did. At about two months before the crime took place. Okay. That's when Sherry started attacking Steve on Facebook. Claiming that Barbara, labeled a, quote, reptile, was one of the group's enemies. Sherry would also write that Steve shouldn't be in a relationship with her anymore. So I I tried to look to see if there was, like, an ulterior motive here. And I can't even find a picture of Sherry Schreiner. I can't find an obituary and anything. There's no photos of her. There's no videos of her actually showing her face. I don't know if she met with Steve in person or if it was just like she had dedicated followers. Uh-huh. Um, there's also the fact that Stephen was dependent financially on Barbara and he suspected she was cheating. Mm. So they're just having a, a bit of a rough patch as you would when your girlfriend yeah. gets called a reptile. Yeah, I mean, there's cheating there's cults Mm -hmm. all the typical relationship nonsense that sometimes happens and you know you never know it's gonna come up call back to the previous episode were these people doing meth (laughs) because this sounds a little little delusional i'm thinking there's a a possible chance there's nothing i found to assert this but you know he's not working he's depending on his girlfriend there's yeah, just I saying. Don't know. There's, it's, I think because it's is also... Is big in the Poconos? <laughs> don't know. It sounds like it's not the best place to be. Okay. It looks beautiful uh-huh. to people like us that enjoy like our solitude. Uh-huh. Gorgeous trees, cute houses. Yeah. Like, okay, I could hang there. But yeah, apparently the population's a little rough. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Does anyone live in the Poconos? Does anyone know about the Poconos? Let still, us know. Still calling out to anyone doing meth. If you could call and let us know. Yeah. What's going on? Okay, so. So. Sherry Schreiner is a void in the universe. You can't find any pictures mm-hmm. of her or anything. That's a shame. I kind of wanted to see what she looked like. I know. You and me both. Go with the picture in my head. She kind of has a gruff voice. Okay. Um, very assertive, of course. Yeah. Very confident voice. Charismatic as the cult leaders tend to be, I'm sure. She, you know, when you compare it to other cult leaders that were more, um, like just, I'm going to, I'm going to cut, we're jumping around. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump back to the question of, is it a cult? Yeah. Okay. Because Sherry says no, her words are take it or leave it. People can turn their radios off. And one of the ideas of cults is that new recruits are love bombed. And so that's where I'm kind of trying to understand 
how a cult maybe could be facilitated just audibly. Uh-huh. Um, because, uh, so a quote, a cult is a group or movement held together by shared commitment to a charismatic leader or ideology. Check. Uh-huh. It has a belief system that has answers to all of life's questions. Check. Okay. And offers a special solution to be gained only by following the leader's rules. It requires a high level of commitment from at least some of the members. So I'm wondering here if Steve was one of these members uh-huh. that was had a little bit more responsibility. Yeah. Um, cults are attractive because they promote an illusion of comfort. I don't think that this one necessarily does because it's basically giving you a warning and saying to get guns, gear up, kind of a thing. Yeah, the end is nigh. The end is nigh. With new records being love-bombed, that's not happening. There's no comfort. Um, Cults do satisfy the human desire for absolute answers. Uh So this one doesn't really leave a lot of room for questions. Mm -hmm. It's very definite. Cults maintain their power by promoting an us-versus-them mentality. Definitely check there. Got it. Cult leaders are masters at mind control. I mean... That one guy with his theory of the blood-sucking creatures had 6,000 people. So, I mean, there must be some element of mind control. Yeah. Cult members often have no idea they're in a cult. Um, When Barbara was in the interrogation with the police, she said they were part of a group. She never said a cult. Okay. Um, It was definitely referred to as a cult, but they didn't call it that. Group, it's cult. a group it's a, thing. We're members of this exclusive Words. group. Yes. Um, and cults use tactics like isolation, which I don't know. I mean, if she was assuring followers through her radio story to be independent or isolated or push away. I mean, if you're saying people are here and they're humanoids and they're what's to say people don't start questioning their families or their friends yeah especially if maybe they already have some mental um health history there yeah. some mental illness history paranoia starts to creep in mm-hmm. yeah so i'm very curious I, I know there's more information about the crime and things but since we kind of are jumping around what are you what are your thoughts about it being a cult i mean it seems like a cult to me. I'm okay. no expert, but from all of the things you just described, I mean, aside from like the love part and the, you know, it's not an in-person thing, but I think the main thing about a cult to me is like the um, the mind control part mm-hmm. and the getting people to follow you and follow your word and believe what you say and indoctrinate that into their lives. And, mm. you know, that to me is a cult. I'm with you on that. Especially like if it's in a damaging and isolating way. Exactly. Especially yeah. if it's causing so much stress for right. this couple. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I, I think that there's a possibility they don't have to check all these boxes, but when you're putting out a message and saying this is the way, um, I think that that can definitely be cultish. Yeah. For sure. Okay, this is at least cultish. Cultish. Well, 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 yeah, put it in the realm of cults. Yeah. Cult so, adjacent. <laughs> cult adjacent. There we go. In real estate terms, it's yes. cult adjacent. <laughs> it's a cul-de-sac. <laughs> Yes. We 
found our term. I love it. Okay, so it's time for the trial. And Barbara's defense lawyers argued, kind of like I mentioned before, that there was outside factors to consider, such as her history with mental illness and the length of the interview with the police after the event took place. So, like I said, it was seven hours of the interview. She hadn't slept for 24 hours. And she'd also been experiencing a lot of anxiety around the cult happenings. I think it's also important to mention here that Barbara was a military veteran who had firearms training. So she knew how to use a gun. She certainly understood not to point a loaded or unloaded weapon at someone ever. Like, that's the first thing you learn. Yeah. Let alone put her trigger, her finger on the trigger. That's yeah. that's a big no-no. Yeah, big no-no. I even know that. <laughs> I don't know shit about guns. We learned this last week. So, I mean, there's a part of this where I, I don't know, I have my psychology background. So I'm like, I guess I, I think that there's a possibility there could be some type of mental illness that could have caused this if she was so willing to aim this gun yeah. at her boyfriend. Um. But the uh, assistant district attorney called many witnesses to testify on the stand, including a firearms expert. And before the jury was brought in, old Babsy was offered the option of a guilty plea to third-degree murder, and that carried a sentence of 10 to 15 years in prison. She said, nope, declined the deal, which was one of those, like, I imagine, like, deal or no deal, where it's, like, the case is open, and you're like, no, I won't take that one. Well, she should have just taken the cash because the jury found her guilty of the lesser charge of a third-degree murder, and a judge sentenced this 44-year-old to 15 to 40 years in prison. Oh, okay. She was also denied an appeal, and senior judge John L. Moose Mano wrote, quote, I'm getting all the quotes today. There was evidence that this group was, in fact, more like a cult and that Shriner had immense control over the majority of her devotees, including Minio or Steve Minio. So he's he's agreeing with that. It's it's cult adjacent. Yeah. And she had mind control. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't end up well for her. Um, Or for Steve. Or for Steve. And fun facts. Are they fun? You always say that. Um, I think this is going to pique your interest. Okay. So Sherry Schreiner died at 54. So that's when you're like, we should find out what she... I was like, she's actually dead. She's dead. She's no longer with us. So we can't make her a new logo. (laughs) We can in memoriam. (laughs) So she died at 54 less than a year... After Steve Minio died. Authorities say she died of natural causes, but no official obituary from her family was ever published. Is that weird? That's very weird. I, so I'm like, was she in isolation? She must have been. Maybe she didn't have a family or really like anyone. Or the family was like, this is very culty and we don't want to put out information. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe she didn't die. She just shapeshifted away. Uh, I. She maybe. could be any of us she could have just disappeared yep okay so on top of that so sherry actually wrote three books if you're interested they're on amazon oh the first one's called bible codes revealed the coming ufo invasion 
The second one is Interview with the Devil, My Conversation with Lucifer, Volume 1. And the third book is Aliens on the Internet. Well, I do love to read, but I might have a hard pass on Sherry Schreiner's books. (laughs) I enjoy the topic of aliens, but maybe not this time. This is like a very rare occurrence where I'm like, eh, I'll pass on that alien book. (laughs) Thanks, though. That must mean something to say no to a book. Yeah, um, an alien book. <laughs> uh, here's here's another fun thing. Um, you might be worried about this Oregon, you know, the energy and what to ward off um, aliens. So you would actually buy or make your very own Oregon blasters. Ooh, this yes. sounds like a fun craft night. Do you want me to walk you through it really quick? Yes, please. So you're going to need some clear quartz crystals. Oh, I have quartz crystal. Well, there you go. Check. You are ready. Do you have metal shavings? Um, no. Okay, you might need that. Okay. And while you're out, grab some copper wire and resin. Oh, don't have those either. I'll put it on my Walmart list. Walmart or Home Depot. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) I like how I had to think about the copper shavings. Or the The metal metal shavings. shavings. You're like, there's a possibility. I'm like, do I have metal shavings? No. (laughs) I don't. I thought I did, but I don't. Shucks. So is that all you need? So that's what you're going to need. And then what you're going to want to do next is fill uh, to one-third the top of the muffin pan with the ingredients all mixed together. Um, except for the resin, which the, you then pour over after these ingredients are in there. You let it absorb and then pour more resin over to fill it. Let it dry. Probably about an hour. Um, so you can watch an episode of Big Bang in between while you're waiting for your organ blasters to dry. Got it. Hang out with Sheldon for a minute. There <laughs> you go. So you pop those suckers out of the muffin pan. Let them uh, dry a little bit longer. And you're going to want to make these in a well-ventilated area, outside or in a garage, just to be on the safe side. But if you're going to mail them, you're going to want to wrap them in foil because you don't want the postal workers to see what you're mailing. Do you have do you have aluminum foil or do you need to add that to your list? I do. I have aluminum foil. Perfect. I feel like the only thing I want going in my muffin pans, though, are muffins. You so. might need an Oregon Blaster exclusive muffin pan. Can I just order a blaster from you someone can. else? You I'm can sure there's it. someone has an Etsy store. Exactly. There actually was. I'm not shitting you. There was one on Etsy. When what? you look at Sherry Schreiner, <laughs> that's where they are. <laughs> so save time. You don't need to go the Martha Stewart way. You know, I'm um, not much of a crafter. So usually if I want to craft something, I just end up looking for it on Etsy. So <laughs> this works out perfectly. I can just see you like trying to show up to Joanne's like, I'm going to try and do this. You're like, I have my coupons. Can you guys show me where the metal shavings are? <laughs> I'm doing a craft to ward off the reptilian humanoids. Yeah. Um, this is very important. Uh, note when you're making these. That these directions were given to me by Yah himself. This is straight from Sherry's mouth. Fancy. Do not change them. All caps. You can't make it, quote, better by adding or taking away ingredients. We're not smarter than he is, nor can we, quote, perfect what he's given us. If you don't make it his way, you're making something else. Well, okay. 
So I think probably ordering is better just to be on the safe side. Just to be on the safe side. You don't I don't want to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about, because I just kind of like, when I was looking over this story, I was a little frustrated for Barbara uh-huh. that, you know, maybe she needs to be, what's the word? Deprogrammed is a word they frequently use. Oh. Okay. When people come out of cults. Oh, yeah. Um, so, psychologists who treat someone claiming to be a mind control victim from a destructive cult might actually face a malpractice action. And that's because there are no legitimate treatments that are scientifically validated, although they've been shown to be effective clinically. Therefore, they are vulnerable to challenge in the courts. And um, this is from someone trying to fight that. So this is a quote that says, that has to stop. There's no reason why people who are true crimes, true, true crime. <laughs> that, was a, that was just like a, <laughs> a slip of like, I'm just used to saying true crime. <laughs> true victims of mind control or people who think that they're victims and are wrong should not receive treatment when they need or want it. So basically, it's so rare. There's no scientific validation behind it that psychologists can't help one of these cult members come out of it. Um, And unfortunately, cult life can have a dangerous and lasting effect. And overcoming the emotional damage can take years. So I was just kind of thinking about some of my, like, traumas in my life. And I was like, man, I can't imagine, like, the excruciating feeling of coming out of a cult, being confused... And then you're trying to get support. You're like, sorry, I can't help you. Billing issues. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, there can actually also be long-term effects on the human body as a result of the cult environment from all the stress. And Dr. John G. Clark Jr. Uh, that just sounds like a cool name. John G. Clark Jr. A Harvard psychiatry professor and co-founder of a nonprofit group which treats former members and their families also states that victims can have, quote, increased irritability, loss of libido, or altered sexual interest. I know I would probably have less libido if someone called me a vampire, uh, witch, reptilian, humanoid. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, back to the quote, ritualism, compulsive attention to detail, mythical states, humorlessness, and sobriety, and heightened paranoia. Yikes. So unfortunately, she's serving the time and not getting any any support. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, yeah, she should go away because she committed a murder, obviously. But also, there is the factor of, like, it seems like she wasn't in her right frame of mind. And she was having some issues. So maybe, like, a it would be good if she was having some mental health treatment, but it seems like in prison, that's not really a thing that's kept on top of very well. So yes. she's just put in prison and locked away for some years. Yes. Yeah. It would take a specialized psychiatrist, I'm sure to, yeah. to help with something like that. And yeah. already people with mental health are so underserved as it is True. that I'm sure in prison an even more underserved population, um, would be struggling getting that kind of support. But all that to say, I think it was interesting for me. Cults interest me. I don't know what it is. I'm just like, what would drive someone to follow a person that strongly and put aside their morals and ethics and kill their boyfriend? Um, And so it's just 
interesting the the setup and I want to do more cult stories. Yeah. I know we kind of jumped around, so I hope all of that made sense and it did. It totally okay. did. And uh, yeah, cults are very interesting. I would love for you to do more cult stories because I'm also interested in that. I think it's the same thing with true crime. It's not like I like to hear about people getting murdered. It's like <laughs> the psychological component behind these things that just blows my mind. It's like, what drives someone to do something like that? What puts that ability in someone? Like, it's just the stories are so intriguing. Yes. Albeit sad, but like, yeah, it's very interesting to think about. Yes, definitely. How different people's brains work differently. So uh, I love shooting around theories, but uh, I also <laughs> want to hear. I also want to hear your story. Sorry, I took a while and jumped around. That's okay. We did good on our tangent, so I do want to commend us. <laughs> I know. I mean, a tangent isn't a bad thing once in a while. Too true. Too, too true, true, my friend. I mean, if people are listening to this expecting no tangents, they're listening to the wrong <laughs> podcast because there's always going to be some of that going on. So my story mm-hmm. is actually inspired by a story that I heard on another podcast, one of my favorite podcasts called That's Spooky. And Ooh, I love them. I love that. I spooky. love when he says oopsie poopsie. Yeah, they have the I had a oopsie poopsie at the beginning of this episode. So <laughs> that spooky does a little segment at the beginning of each episode that's called oopsie poopsies where they point out any um, mistakes that they may have made in their story like the previous week or whatever. It's a really good podcast to listen to. It's Aww. true crime. It's weird. It's sort of like what we do, I guess. It's I feel they like do a lot of like weird stories too. And banter. Yeah, and banter. They're a really funny, super cute um, gay couple um, who I just want to be friends with and hang out with, but maybe someday. I think we're super cute. I know we're not a gay couple, but... We're not. Maybe someday. Maybe. So... (laughs) <laughs> that would be weird. You're that like more be. like a sister to me. That would be like incestuous. Our house would be so clean. We could be an asexual lesbian couple. <laughs> we could just hold hands. And watch Golden Girls. I don't even really want to hold hands. We can just we don't sit have to sort of close to each other on the couch. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Good. <laughs> this story that they told on their podcast was about a 20-year-old woman, young woman, named Felicity Cadlick from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I said that weird. (laughs) And also, sorry if I'm like very stuffy and sniffly, but it's springtime and everything's (gasps) blooming and my allergies are going redonk right now. Same as I was rubbing my nose. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so stuffy. So, um, okay. So Felicity Cadley from Massachusetts. I can't say Massachusetts. (laughs) I can't say Portland, Oregon. (laughs) And I can't say Massachusetts. But you could say Oregon. Uh, Oregon. Oregon. So Felicity revealed that she tied the knot with the love of her life, Kelly Rossi, who is a zombie doll. Okay. I'll give that a second to soak in. I was like, you and I were both doing shocker stories, so I think there's going to be some moments of silence. Okay. Yeah. All right. You weren't expecting that. No. I, I was like, is Kelly guard. a boy or a girl or like Kelly's a girl. Okay. Kelly Rossi is a girl zombie doll, and uh, Felicity claims that Kelly is 37 years old, and the couple married on September 15th, 2018. The ceremony, which took place in Tiverton, Tiverton, sorry, Rhode Island, cost Felicity $500, which covered her own wedding dress, a tuxedo for Kelly, and decorations for the outdoor venue. Did anybody go? 
Um, it seems like Felicity's family was there, like her close family, and a bunch of her other zombie dolls were in attendance. <laughs> so Felicity was initially gifted Kelly by her father after becoming obsessed with horror movies and zombie dolls. So cool. I like that. Horror movies, zombies, her father gave her a doll. Cute. Okay. But then Felicity said, so I guess the doll was given to her when she was 13. Kelly said, it wasn't until I was, or Felicity said, sorry, it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I started to get feelings for Kelly. But it was something that I kept on trying to deny. She goes on to say, I finally allowed myself to be open with who I was and let my feelings come out. And despite not everyone agreeing with my love life, I have never felt happier. Felicity also revealed (laughs) that her relationship with the doll is romantic and that the pair share intimate moments together and that they have consummated the marriage. How, how, I don't want to know. Yeah, so... I, like, I had to know. I couldn't wait. I pulled up a picture. <laughs> that is creepy AF, dude. And it they is also a very got creepy doll. tattoos on their arms. They did. Like, they have pictures, like, where the hands are crossed over with the wedding band. Yeah, I mean, there's pictures on the internet, which I will, Lord. of course, post on our Instagram have page. Um of yes this doll i mean it's a zombie doll so it's not supposed to look cute but it is a really creepy looking doll um but hearing about this little story on that spooky made me interested because i was like well huh i wonder what is this about are there other people that do this that have this that are in a relationship with a doll like I feel like I've heard about this before so of course my brain grabs onto something and has to research it and Uh I found it (laughs) and it is called objectophilia or objectum sexuality and it is having a sexual attraction to an object so let's learn a little bit about objectum sexuality Adrian McKay me Melissa Let me pull my glasses down the bridge of my nose and get in my little teaching posture here. (laughs) So Sweden, oh, I don't like wearing my glasses like that. Sweden was the birthplace of objectum sexuality when a woman named Ayurita Berlina Maurer coined the term after she fell in love with the Berlin Wall in the 70s. Her last name, Berlina Maurer, I hope I'm saying that right, actually means Berlin Wall in German. Okay. She also finds things like fences, railroad tracks, bridges, and gates physically attractive, stating, I find long, slim things with horizontal lines very sexy. Since the Berlin Wall was torn down in 1989, though, she has started dating a garden fence. Oh God, I'm trying so hard to to just get through this. I have a lot to say about this and I want to try and like be respectful, but it's also just, (laughs) so, okay, I'm going to keep reading. I'm trying to like, I want to make jokes, but my face is just contorted in this like confused state. Yeah. So, okay. And now she's singing a garden fence. (laughs) 
Well, she's she's dating the Garden Fence. So how's it going? Oh my gosh! She here's it gets better. She has had sexual relations with both the wall oh. and the fence. Fuck! Ouch! ouch. <laughs> Fucking ouch! Ouch! I hope there was lube. I hope there was protection. I hope there was. Oh Lord, girl! Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm on uh, board. What's up? <laughs> And uh, also, she says that she finds the idea of being attracted to another human being ludicrous. So, uh, (laughs) despite her coining of the term, Ayarita is not the only person out there who considers themselves an objectum sexual. I found lots and lots of other stories online about, we're just going to call it OS at some points here. Okay. Including a documentary on youtube chronicling the stories of two women named erica and amy so i'm going to talk a little bit about this documentary because it had me on a roller coaster ride of emotions yes i'm ready i'm ready to ride the roller coaster i'm latched in let's do this yeah get ready strap in strapped and there is a carnival ride component to this, so this is appropriate. Okay, great. I was just thinking we said strap. I was wondering <laughs> if that was part of strap on and some type of toy was related to the garden fence sexual experience. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. <laughs> um, I don't know how it works really, but... Uh, well, I kind of do. Okay, we'll get there. Okay, do So first, we'll talk about Erica Eiffel. One of the women in the documentary. Okay. Erica is a world champion in the sport of archery. Hmm. Um, she says that she became so good at the sport after falling in love with her archery bow, who she calls Lance. Hmm. The bow That's was a fitting. Yeah. The bow was gifted to her by a man she was dating at the time, and Erica said she felt more love and attraction for the bow than she did for the man. So <laughs> That relationship ended, and her relationship with Lance the Bow continued. Um, She says that she's never really had a relationship with a man. She's always kind of tried, and it just hasn't been something that's really clicked with her. Okay. So um, she's not sexually attracted to men or other humans. So Hmm. um, the relationship with Lance the Bow, though, eventually started to fizzle out. So since Erica has become less intimate with Lance, her archery career is now suffering because the connection just isn't there anymore. The look on Liz's face right now is just the most. I wish we were on video. because I'm just looking at this doll. I'm sorry. I am listening. Okay. The bow named Lance. All right. Yeah. So their relationship fizzled out. Um She still has Lance and she keeps him on, on a shelf in her room. Just he's not her her bow anymore <laughs> oh my god i can't believe i just oh, now that was it that didn't was click till now so next erica found the love of her life hmm. and as i mentioned her name is erica eiffel oh. so can we guess what her love was oh the eiffel tower the eiffel tower <laughs> Erica actually married the tower in 2007 and changed her last name legally to Eiffel. <laughs> Obviously. Why not Tower? So. <laughs> I'm like, isn't that his last Mr. Tower? Mr. and Mrs. Eiffel Tower? Well, according to Erica, Eiffel Tower is a woman. 
Ah. Yeah. Why are they all... Well, Lance the Bow was a male. Oh, true, true, true. But okay. the Eiffel okay. Tower is a female. And she okay. said she just knows. She knows that the Eiffel Tower is a female. All right, girl. Do your thing. So, so uh, she married the tower in 2007. And obviously, she's an American. And the uh, Eiffel Tower is in France. So she has several models of the tower in her home. And that she carries with her and has intimate moments with. And uh, she claims the tower is a woman, as I said, and uses female pronouns when talking about Mrs. Eiffel Tower. Um, This is an open relationship, though, because Erica also has a relationship with the Golden Gate Bridge and states that she is in love with the bridge and that he is in love with her. So Golden Gate's a man. What if the Golden Gate gets, like, attracted to, or, like, jealous that she's with the Eiffel Tower also? Um, I don't think like, so. Like a love triangle. Because okay. a love triangle. <laughs> I mean, triangles are a very important structural component of bridges, so it would be appropriate oh, to have a love triangle. look at that. Looping if you're dating a bridge. That's just how my mind operates. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else, what I just said. Um... <laughs> So, I guess, though, in this documentary, they said that because, uh, so eventually, Erica Eiffel sits down with Ayarita, the lady who was in love with the Berlin Wall, and Erica is also in love with the Berlin Wall. Oh, no. And it talks about, no, there's no drama. It talks about how, like, um aren't they jealous of each other because they both have a relationship with the with the wall and they were like oh no it's they're very like objectum sexuals are very like polyamorous so they don't Mm. get jealous or or worried about if someone else is having a relationship with their Mm. object i don't know if that's true across the board but that's what this documentary said um well you never know when you're gonna pass by like a really cute skyscraper and you might just want to like walk inside their turnstile Door. Yeah. Mm. Turn me around, baby. <laughs> Spin me. <laughs> so, um, anywho, for uh, many years, objectum sexuals probably felt very much alone. But, of course, with the advent of the internet, it's much more possible these days to explore and connect with other like-minded people. Hmm? So, this is what's happening. Hey, I'm weird. Are you weird? Yeah, I'm weird, too. Yeah, me too. And, you know, so this is where I'm torn because, (sighs) okay. So while watching this documentary, I said I went on a roller coaster ride of emotions because at some points during this, I was like, this is fine. Like, these people, they're not hurting anyone. This isn't damaging anything. It makes them happy. Who am I to say? Like... I have my own weird shit, too. (laughs) In a different way, but, you know, who am I to say what's weird? Whatever. That's me being my open-minded self and just being Mm. like, sure. Teach their own quality of life is good. Yeah. Okay. Not hurting anyone. The other side of me, though, like other parts of this documentary made me extremely uncomfortable and I'll talk about some of the parts of this that made me uncomfortable when we get there but where I was just like in 
disbelief. I think my jaw has never hung so low from the bottom of my face. It was just like <laughs> gaping open where I'm like, um, this is very odd. But then again, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We can discuss more. I want to hear your thoughts, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about okay. this, these, these ladies here. Sure. So, um, so Ayurita, the Swedish lady from the beginning, um, she formed an online group for women who identify as objectum sexuals. So in the documentary, Erica Eiffel meets up in New York city with another woman whose name is Amy, who she met in this group. And Amy has a few ongoing relationships with objects, but her true love is with a carnival ride called 1001 Nacht, which I <laughs> assume is a German word. I think that means night. So like 1001 Nights. Like, uh, what is it? Scheherazade and her tales. Wasn't it 1001 Arabian? Oh, okay. Whatever it was, they turned it into a carnival ride. So, um, and Amy is in love with this carnival ride. So... Um, in the documentary, these two ladies meet up at the airport and then it cuts to a shot of them walking down the street and they're looking at the buildings as they go and discussing how much they like glass and steel and aluminum, um, sort of like objectifying the buildings, although they're already objects, so I don't know if you can objectify an object. It, it, it was just like yeah. how you would hear like a person objectifying another person, like talking about what they like about their looks. It seemed like that was the way they were talking about the buildings. Like how if you were like, oh, I like I like a guy with like brown hair and like green eyes and tall. And it's like, they were like, oh, I like buildings with steel. Oh, I like aluminum. Oh, glass. And I'm like... <laughs> I like how you drew, like drew it to people conversing about their types <laughs> yeah yeah that's what it seemed like they were looking at the buildings and they were like "Ooh, i like that one. Ooh, that building's sexy and i was like oh, so i mean but, but again who am i to say so they're in new york and of course while in new york they had to stop by the empire state building because this building is one of amy's regular lovers and so Amy goes and presses herself up against the wall of the building and is stroking it and kissing it. And this is one of the parts that made me very uncomfortable because I was like, this is in public. Yeah, just right there. And so then a security guard comes up and is like, uh, you got to go away <laughs> from here. And so she did. And uh, Amy and Erica, uh, they also visit the place where the Twin Towers used to be um, pre-9-11. And uh, Amy has a framed photo of the towers with her that she is also caressing and kissing and talking to. And uh, this is one of the part that like kind of tugged at my heartstrings because she goes on to talk about how she went through some very hard times and her relationship with the towers is actually what kept her from taking her own life. So then I flip-flopped back the other direction where I was like, oh, God, like, I feel bad for, like, feeling like these people are weird. Like, this is obviously very important to them. And it's like, if it's helping her mental health and helping her get through struggles and keeping her from taking her own life. And on then... the other hand, if she's going to get arrested for indecent exposure because she's rubbing her goods against a building. I know. Well, she wasn't getting indecent. Well, <laughs> so there comes a part where it gets a little 
odd for both of these ladies. I'm ready. But we'll talk about that in a second. So can I do a quick lesson really quick so I don't sound like I don't know what I'm talking about? So about Scheherazade and the Thousand and One. So it's called A Thousand and One Arabian Nights and it has different stories um, from the Middle Eastern culture. And what it was is the monarch had resolved to marry a new virgin every day and have her beheaded the next morning before she could dishonor him. So what Scheherazade did was she kept, she stayed alive day by day telling stories. And after a thousand and one nights and a thousand stories, she told them, she told the king she had no more stories to tell and he had fallen in love with her and spared her life and made her the queen. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. That was in a movie. Yeah, probably. It's a very common theme I just didn't remember the specifics to describe it, but it's just interesting. I wonder what that ride was. Well, it shows the ride later. They go visit it. Yeah. I'll tell you about the ride. Okay. Because it was one of the parts that made me be like, ooh. I was just tossing in a fun fact. Fun fact. I like it. We all need a little bit of a... We needed a palate cleanse real quick. Palate cleanse. And uh, (laughs) a little bit of edumacation. (laughs) So thank you, Liz. You are so welcome. So, uh... Anywho, so next we go to Amy's mother's house, and I'll add in that, like, Amy is kind of super cute. Like, I really felt like she was, (laughs) she was cute. Just, like, the way she talks and the way she acts, I was like, oh, she's kind of, like, endearing and innocent and sweet, and so, yeah, and seems a little bit um, childlike in a way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So um, Amy and her mother have differing opinions on why Amy has an attraction to objects. Uh, Amy's mother thinks it is because of childhood trauma that Amy suffered. Amy grew up in kind of a dysfunctional home and was bullied and teased a lot. And her mother thinks that her attraction to objects is a defense mechanism that prevents her from getting hurt. Mm. yeah so that makes sense that makes sense i can see why her mom would think that um but amy disagrees and she says that uh to quote gaga she was born (laughs) this way (laughs) and they uh i don't know they don't really know i couldn't find really anything that shows where this comes from Um, But there is one study on it, and I'm going to go into that right now, because they showed Amy then sitting at a desk, um, looks like still at her mother's house, and reading a report that appears to be some sort of a psychological testing result, uh, probably from her childhood or young adult years. Mm. Um, And the report goes on about how Amy was considered developmentally delayed at the age of three and eventually went on to receive a diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome, um, which, as I assume most people know, is part of the autism spectrum, which Asperger's is not an official diagnostic diagnostic term anymore. Like, they don't mm-hmm. use that one. Um, it's just considered a form of autism, but or it's considered to be on the autistic spectrum. So I was like, oh, okay, interesting. I wonder if there's a link there because they included it in the documentary. So I did Google and I actually found a study online that focused on exploring the link between autism and objectum sexuality. Um, And I'll link it in the show notes, but I'm going to read the abstract from that study to give you a little idea of what they were exploring. I love abstracts. Hit me with it. Hit you with that abstract, girl. Girl. Give me a good lit review. (laughs) Here it is. Give me a good abstract any day. Here it is. Quote, 
Objectum sexuality is a sexual orientation which has received little attention in the academic literature. Individuals who identify as objectum sexual experience emotional, romantic, and or sexual feelings toward inanimate objects. We tested 34 OS individuals and 88 controls and provided the first empirical evidence that OS is linked to two separate neurodevelopmental traits, autism and synesthesia, Mm. which synesthesia is... Oh, I should have written down the diagnosis or the diagnosis, the definition for this. Let me finish reading the abstract and then we'll go into synesthesia. Um, I think was it Oliver Sacks that wrote a lot about that? I don't know, but I do know a couple of people who have that, who have synesthesia. (laughs) Okay, abstract. We show that OS individuals possess significantly higher rates of diagnosed autism and significantly stronger autistic traits compared to controls. Compared to controls. Sorry, that came out really weird. As well... You're feeling it. Yeah, I turned it into a little rap there for a second. As well as a significantly higher prevalence of synesthesia... And significant synesthetic traits inherent in the nature of their attractions. Our results suggest that OS may encapsulate autism and synesthesia within its phenomenology, which is like one of my new favorite words. Phenomenology. I didn't know that was a word. Phenomena. Phenomenology. Our data speaks to debates concerning the biological underpinnings of sexuality to models of autism and synesthesia, (laughs) only so many times I can say that word, and to psychological and philosophical models of romantic love. So I guess what this abstract is pointing out is that there is a strong link between autism and synesthesia and this objectum sexuality, and I have read in my, as I was telling you, I've been recently researching the shit out of autism, that there is a thing with autistic people where they can sometimes, it doesn't go to this degree, but where they will feel um, like a like a deep connection to objects. Huh. And, and some autistic people can end up either like having a really difficult time letting go of certain things, wow. like objects could be because they feel like a deep sense of connection to them, or actually feeling like the objects around them have feelings. Like, Uh I actually heard one woman describing this on a podcast, an autistic woman who um, was talking about how certain ways that she puts away her clothes because she feels like um, she wants the clothes to be comfortable when they're put away. And she said it's a very, it's a very, she knows it sounds like a strange, strange thing where it's like the clothes people probably would think I was crazy if I ever said this out loud, but it's like, <laughs> I I want to make sure that my clothes are comfortable when they're put away. Like I fold them nicely. I put them in a certain order. Like, <laughs> do you ever kind of do that to a certain, and maybe I'm going to sound like really, really strange, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, pretty weird. But like when I had stuffed animals, I would always be like, oh, they're not real. Like I know they're not real. I would like, you know, toss them or if they were over on their side or something. I'm like, but just on the off chance they do come alive, I'm going to just say it up. <laughs> just on the off chance, tuck it in. Are you good? Do you need anything? Yeah. Yes. Not to that 
degree. Um, no, I yeah, there's different degrees of everything. But yeah, I definitely I, I understand that with the stuffed animals. I was definitely like that <laughs> as a kid where it was like I was really afraid of. And Danica's like that too. Um, Danica's my daughter and she actually is autistic and she has very strong feelings for not in this way, but like strong feelings for her 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 um stuffed animals where it's like and I'm like oh when I was a kid I did that too I like my my friends were very by friends I mean stuffed animals (laughs) I'm sorry my friends were very special to me and they all had their own backstory Mm -hmm. and like I knew how they all met each other and their personalities and their names and everything like that which I don't know if all kids do that I'm sorry if I'm being really weird do you do this write to us and let us know that we're not alone yes please But so there's, there's that, but then like everything, there's different degrees to which people, so, you know, it's not saying all autistic people have this. It's just saying that there's a strong link that's been shown in certain studies. So it's just something to take note of because this is really the only thing I online that I could find that discussed the origins of this, like where it would come from in a person. If a person is in fact born with this, Mm -hmm. if it's, a component of some sort of abuse um, reaction. Hmm. So I don't know. So that was the thing that I found about that. But well, so yeah, I was I was just gonna say that's the thing about being in a quote relationship with a building. You're not gonna get emotionally hurt, right? You know that it's it's there unless it's a Berlin Wall, which it, it, yeah, unless uh, it's the Berlin Wall or, or the Twin Towers. Or the Twin Towers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So maybe not. Maybe you're not but taken. It's safer. It's definitely safer right. than being with a human, because we all know relationships are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Erica Eiffel is <laughs> not diagnosed autistic, um, but she did suffer from sexual abuse by her half brother when she was young, oh. and she spent many years in the foster care system where she was further abused. Um, but, you know. There are plenty of people who experience sexual abuse and trauma who don't consider themselves to be objective sexuals. So, you know, that brings in the whole, like, nature versus nurture thing. And, like, is this just another form of sexuality that just seems weird right now because we haven't really heard a lot about it? But it's like, back in the day homosexuality was considered to be Mm. very weird and very like, oh my God, shocking. And Mm. two men together, two women together, gasp, Mm. you know, (laughs) or like being transgender or being non-binary or being, you know, any sort of way, shape or form off of this linear binary that we all, you know, have been told to subscribe to. So like, that's where I'm kind of torn where I'm like, you know, if this were, you know, a hundred years ago or even 50 years ago, my relationship with my partner who Mm -hmm. is trans, non-binary would have been considered extremely odd. Mm -hmm. And people would be like, oh my God, like what if, I I don't even think we would have been able to be open about it, you know? Um, So that to me makes like, kind of makes my heart go out to these people because I'm like, you know, we're, we're laughing and like thinking it's weird. And I can't say that I don't think it's weird, but it's like, that doesn't mean it's wrong and that doesn't mean it's not a thing and that doesn't mean it's not valid. And, you know, so I hate these types of topics where I feel so stuck in the middle. Like I, I want to have an opinion one way or the other on things and I hate when I can't because I I can see both sides. I think I was going to say, I think we're both 
put yourself in their shoes kind of people yeah. where, you know, going through our own struggles, you, you come up with these coping mechanisms that aren't healthy, that you're not guided to do. Um, I'm sure some of my coping mechanisms, if you talked about it, would be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I think with them, I, I just think, are you missing out on meaningful relationships with a person? Yeah. Is this a way to avoid working through your shit a little bit? Right. Because I, I just think, you know, okay, if you're struggling with relationships, if there's these other things, what are the chances if you work through these that you would find someone to to enjoy life? I mean, there's something about having a real live partner speaking to you. You learn things about yourself. You learn how to uh, communicate, how to uh, compromise. There's all these things that I think develop you as a person. You can get these things with friends as well. Yeah. But I just kind of get concerned also that it's like, what does that do if, you know, when the Berlin Wall was taken, what effect did that have on that person? Yeah. You know, was it more extreme or, you know, even with the Twin Towers? I think it's concerning when someone comes up to a building and starts rubbing their bits on it. I think that there's germs. One, germs. I just thought of putting your mouth on a building. Or a carnival ride for the love of Pete. Well, and I'm going to go into that in a second. Oh, okay. But I will say, considering what you just said, on the flip side of that, there are, like, I just, I got to be, like, the opposite. So you said your thing, so I got to, like, do the contradiction yeah, to yeah. that, where it's like... This is fun. Yeah. The other side <laughs> of it is, like, as long as these people are happy, mm-hmm. yeah, we think they might be missing out on something, but if they don't feel like they're missing out on something and they're perfectly happy, then, you know, it's like, again, I go back to myself where there have definitely been men who have hit on me who have been like, oh, you're a lesbian? Oh, that's just because you haven't had a man who did it right yet. And I'm like, oh God, please get over yourself. Just leave me alone. Also, like, people being like, oh, but don't you feel like you're missing out on something because you don't have a man in your life or like, you know, so it's just like, it's goes along the same lines of like, no, I'm happy with the person I'm with. And that's what I'm not, I'm not attracted to men. And these women were both like, yeah, I'm not attracted to men. I'm not attracted to women. I'm not attracted to humans. And so it's like, (laughs) okay. Like, so then again, I go back to that whole thought of like, well, it's not hurting anyone. This isn't like a, Mm-hmm. this isn't like a perversion type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think where it's like, you look at pedophiles and you can't be like, well, that's just mm-hmm. how they're, that's just what they're attracted to because that obviously is damaging someone. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, a, a building is not a sentient mm-hmm. being with feelings and emotions. A child is, or when you look yeah. at like necrophilia where that, you know, crosses all sorts of other lines as well. But it's like this, it's like, it's just an inanimate object. You know, yeah, it's really, there's no harm done. I will say though, that there are parts of this documentary where I was just cringe, 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 cringe. And I like folded into myself. I was cringing so hard. I like black holed into like a tiny speck because I was just like, (laughs) I couldn't handle it. So one part was where Amy does go to see the 1001 Nacht. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, she starts talking pretty graphically to Erica about how she feels when she's, like, pleasuring herself and thinking about the ride. And then she, like, lays on the ground under the ride. And this this is a carnival ride, but it's, like, 
it's in storage right now, so it's not like operating. Okay. Because they weren't like in a carnival with people standing around. It was like the ride's not operating. It's shut down. There was no one else around. Um, okay. And she like lays under the ride and she's like stroking it and like getting the <laughs> grease from the gears like on her fingers and like rubbing it on her face and making like sexual noises. And I was like, I am so uncomfortable right now. But I couldn't stop watching. It's not okay. I'm sorry. It's not. I'm trying to be nice. This is not okay. Wait, there's an even better part coming. (laughs) So, okay. So that's what happened. It didn't go any further than that. I was like, if they start showing her like getting undressed or whatever, I'm out of here. I'm I'm closing my laptop. I can't. So, but it's fine. That's all that happened. So it was... Yeah, so that happened. And then um, at the very end of the documentary, it shows Erica um, going on a visit to the Eiffel Tower to celebrate their one-year anniversary with the tower. They didn't give me a present. How rude. I know. So uh, what do you get the Eiffel Tower for an anniversary gift? (laughs) New light bulbs. I'll tell you what you get it, because Erica gets, gets a little bit freaky with the tower. So, uh, she states, obviously, that it's very hard to have intimacy in such a public place, and the Eiffel Tower is popping. Like, there's a lot of people there. It's a popular tourist attraction. Um, but she wanted to try, and so she did. She sure did, and she was wearing a long skirt, and she finds a part of the tower that's, like, there's, like, a beam that's, like, close to the ground, and she, like, throws her leg over and sits on it and, like, sort of positions herself and implies that she's not wearing underwear <laughs> and starts I just see her leaning in to the beam of the tower i'm not wearing underwear. <laughs> well she does lean into the beam and she starts like laying her head on it and kissing it smooching it and caressing it and like there's people there's like tourists walking by like no one no one seems because it just looks like she's sitting there no one really understands that anything weird is happening um so and then she starts talking about how the cool steel against her warm body and it feels like they're exchanging energy right now and she can feel it and and it just got very i mean this just really reminds me of why i am so stringent upon hand washing (laughs) After being in a public place, you never know whose bare naked cooch has been on the surface you were just touching. And I mean, just thorough hand washing people. It's not just because of colds and flu, it's also coochies. Random coochies just sit in a boot. Okay, you texted me today and you're like, hey, my podcast story is odd. And I'm like, great. You went to a whole other level. I warned you. I was like, it is super odd this week. It is super odd, Liz. So I am going to put the link to that documentary in our show notes. And if anyone wants to be brave and go watch it, I would love to know what other people think of this. Oh, I'm going to watch it. Um, it's. I'll warn you, it is... It's. But these two women, like, to me, I don't know. I'm very... I, I just... I always see the good side of people. So, like, Erica seems pretty awesome. Like, she's an archery champion. She was in the military. She's an artist. Like, she seems, like, pretty regular aside from this. And, like I said, Amy is just kind of cute and childlike and just seems like a really kind, sweet person. And so, like, I'm not trying to, like, throw these women under the bus and be like, what a 
couple of fucking weirdos. <laughs> but like this to me is beyond something that I can fully understand. Mm, okay. You know? Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I think that you're also hitting on something really important in mental health that like, okay, you know, I have depression, but I am not depression. It doesn't mean I'm a shitty person. It doesn't mean I'm a sad person all the time. You know, there there are really great things about me. What do you think? Um, <laughs> there are. <laughs> too. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Because I'm like, I'm not feeling as weird, but I know that I'm weird, especially after the stuffed animal uh, confession. Um, no, but- I'm with you on the stuffed animals. And I feel like a lot of people did that, especially as kids. And okay. even sometimes as an adult, I like to arrange things in a certain way. I don't know if it's because I feel like those things have feelings, but I just want the, the mm-hmm. objects to have comfort. Just absolutely be lined up nicely. And I think that's what makes you a good mom too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I at no point have ever wanted to marry any of these <laughs> stuffed friends or have a sexual relationship with them at all. <laughs> but again, my attraction is to humans. So Exactly. I I really think that I'm seeing these actions as avoidant behaviors. I don't think that they're handling, and this is just my opinion of it, I don't think that that's safe behavior. I don't think that that's, I know normal is such an obscure subjective term, so I hate saying normal. Yeah. But I, I think, like you're saying, everything else, they're really awesome people. I, with backgrounds of trauma, and I just still feel like it's like avoidant behavior right. a little bit. Because I can't rub and grease on yourself and stuff. Like that's, you know, if you rub and grease down there, that's terrible for your coochie health. Talk about greasing your gears. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, doggy. Okay, one more thing about the zombie girl. Yes, please. Because as I was saying, like, okay, these people aren't hurting anyone. Their lifestyle is a choice and whatever but (laughs) the zombie lady girl person young woman Uh um her and kelly her zombie wife doll (laughs) are planning to have children it's gonna prove problematic and so (laughs) felicity the the human in this situation is like I'm, you know, we're going to find a sperm donor and I'll carry the baby, obviously. And, uh. Yeah, no shit, because you're dating a fucking doll, you nimrod! Married. Oh my gosh, it doesn't have a uterus. They're married. Not dating, Liz. Get it right. All right. So. You're dating an This is object. where. I'll carry, I guess. Well, no shit. Yeah, they, <laughs> she said that they want to make their family complete. And this is where I start to have a little bit of a problem because I'm like. Now you're bringing someone else in on this and you're going to put a baby in this situation where you're raising it to believe that its other parent is a zombie doll. (laughs) And oh Lord, growing up ain't hard (laughs) enough. You you very much snorted. And this is a snortable situation because I'm just, I, this, that to me could be seen as a form of child abuse. Parent-teacher conference is going to be really interesting. So fucking awkward. Can you imagine if you're a teacher? Oh, Lord. And, like, your kid's parents come in and one of them is a fucking zombie doll. Does does the, um, I forgot, what's the, what's the human lady's name? Felicity. Felicity. I'm so sorry. Felicity, does she, like, pick up Kelly's little doll hand and, like, shake hands with me? 
I have no idea. So I'm Felicity. This is my wife, Kelly. We're going to talk about our daughter. Squeaky, squeaky, squeak. <laughs> squeak. That's the, that's the arm squeaking as she shakes the hands. Um, I just, that when I read that, I was like, oh, I'm no longer okay with this situation. I was, before I was like, this is strange, but whatever. Don't want to. Yeah. Don't want to poo-poo on your party. But now I will poo-poo all over that party because I'm like, now there's a innocent child or maybe multiple children coming into this situation where it's like, this is your mommy. And it's a, first of all, zombie doll, but also extremely terrifying looking doll. It is. I was looking. It's like four foot tall. Half of its face is missing. It has like a bowl cut kind of a like... Um, I would say like an Amish haircut and like, yeah, half of like the bottom portion of the jaw, the mandibular is removed. The mandible's gone. Yes. And, uh, it's just blood. Yeah. So that's, I mean, honestly, sometimes with stuff like that too, taken out in public, like that could really be scary for people. Yeah. That's another thing where you could really disturb people or, you know, people that have had real trauma. Yeah. I mean, not that there oh, isn't sure. real. I don't want to say that. Yeah. They have had trauma. That could really trigger someone. It could. That's true. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. Oh, there's so many layers to this one. Holy shit. I know, because I want to be understanding like you and like my like social worker Liz is like, all right, let's talk yeah. about this. I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, I'm understanding, but I'm also not. Yeah, and then so. reg- like, um, like off-duty Liz is just kind of like, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is not an okay thing. Yeah. It's okay it's a very, very different, different, different thing. Different, different. <laughs> I think fuck. both of our stories were different today. They were. We came in with the weird shit this yeah, week. Yeah, we did. We're cranking it up. Oh, man. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to post all sorts of great pictures on Instagram. So follow us at odds.ends.pod. And please email us your thoughts on this. Or I'm sorry if you're an objectum sexual and you listen to this and you were maybe offended or felt like we were making fun of you. Sorry about that. But talk to us. Talk to us. Inform We're us. We're open. Educate us. <laughs> We're somewhat open minded. <laughs> I added a somewhat in there. <laughs> somewhat. I'm Liz a, is a little more cynical, Pierce. <laughs> I'm open minded to an extent. <laughs> and uh, yeah, our email address is odds.ends.pod at gmail.com. And we love to hear from all of you great listeners. If we didn't lose you after this episode, <laughs> people are probably like, no, nope, we're keeping the weird. weirdies. We're keeping the real weirdies. We'll find our people. This is how we do it. This is how we weed out the weak. <laughs> the ones who aren't prepared for the real weird shit. The real weird shit. Well, I had a wonderful time hanging with you, and I just want to say, mind your coochie. Mind your coochie. Grease your ears. Grease your ears.